Okay, great. Thanks everybody for coming today. And we are going to help Lindsay find a way to get over this thing that keeps hanging over her head and hanging over her head. And we've all had some kind of experience with these type of things. Um, we've either stalked somebody, we've been um, involved with somebody that we just couldn't trust, that we felt uncomfortable, and there was this like really deep connection, but for some reason, we need to get them out of our lives. Now, I personally had that with my, um, with my ex-husband, where I just needed to get him out of my life because it was not, it was not making my life better, even though, I mean, he was my soulmate. He was, <laughs> I should have spent eternity with him, but I decided to choose my well-being over the suffering that that was going to incur. So, Lindsay, if you can give us a little, like a heads up of what's going on in your life right now. Um, well, I'm in L.A. now. <laughs> so there's that. Um, I don't know. I guess, well, you know about Chris. He's been there for about six years now and he just won't go away. <laughs> now, does he keep reaching out to you? Um... If I leave him alone long enough, he reaches out, and sometimes I break down and reach out to him. It's basically like we take turns. He reached out, and then I reached out, and then he reached out, and then I reached out. And when I moved to L.A., I decided for once, like, I I guess before I always felt like I want to figure out a way to make it work. And this is probably the first time that I felt like I just want to not want you anymore. Uh. And... I don't know if he knew that because when I moved to LA November, he sent me like a giant love letter asking if I ever thought we could, he could, we could try if I would help him just be better. <laughs> and I didn't really say anything. And then he sent me all these Christmas presents that were just really thoughtful. And then Valentine's Day, he did the same thing and he kept just trying to talk to me and be my friend. And then. He sent me these earrings I really wanted just because he's like, I just thought you deserved them. Wow. And he sent me all these birthday presents. And then so it was kind of on my birthday that I was like, okay, obviously I haven't stopped loving you. Like you've been trying, you've been doing this, all of this for so long and saying all these things like, okay, yes, let's do this. And then he completely ignored me. Like he hasn't even responded to the text about me saying, okay, fine, let's do it again. <laughs> and this is, is this part of his constant MO where he'll reach out, he'll think like, okay, this is going to work, and as soon as you're ready, he just blows it? Um, no, I think this is the first time he's done this. And you've, and you've checked in to make sure that he's alive, that, you know, he's not in a coma or anything, right? Well, he looked at my Instagram story the other day, so I'm pretty sure he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nice thing about social media now, right? We can, we can check. People check in on us, and we know that they're okay, or at least alive, even if we don't get to hear from them. Yeah. Wow. So, what type of things have you already tried? Well, it's only been a couple weeks. <laughs> but... I've been listening to that app you showed me, the, the two tones, mm -hmm. um, pretty much three times a day on my way to work, on my lunch, and after work. Mm -hmm. 
I've been trying to meditate on healing and letting go once a day. Sometimes I feel better, sometimes I, I don't know, it's very up and down right now. Okay. Can you tell me what it is that you love about him? What is the attraction? That's just it whenever I sit and I think about it. I don't think I actually like anything about him, so I don't know why I'm obsessed with him, which is making me feel even more crazy. Uh-huh. When I think That's... about it, I mean, I like him. He's nice. He's got a good job. Or, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, well, I think about hanging out with him, and I don't feel like my true silly fun self and so then I'm like well why do you want to be with him why would you want to be with somebody that makes you feel like you're happy silly self that's very telling so I have a quick question for you um now is this like a long-term serious relationship where you guys were talking about the future and like okay well you know we're gonna get married we're building a future we're doing this but okay well maybe back off or, or was it like a sort of casual but um without any full-on commitment um well the first time we were together we were together for like almost two years and i don't know every now and then he would be like oh i maybe we should talk about moving in together and stuff and then i'd be like i don't know i'd never lived with anyone and i kind of got freaked out so i would just like not <laughs> and then Towards the end, we started fighting more anyway, and then we broke up. And then we spent, like, a year apart, and then he came back, like, again and basically wrote me, like, a five-page email asking for another chance. And so we did have another go at it. That only lasted about three months. Um, and I did tell him that time, I well, I don't think we can do this, like, unless we, like, maybe, like, go to therapy or talk to somebody. And so... I thought he was serious. Like maybe he just has a lot of money, and I just don't know what people with money do. Because he agreed to be like he paid for the therapy sessions that we were going to at the time. Was that a good thing? Did they did they help? I think they could have helped, but I don't think he was honest in any of it because I'd seen where he cheated on me like the week before we broke up at a therapy session, and I asked him specifically about it, and he basically gaslit me and told me what I saw wasn't real. Hmm. So that's why I broke up with him then. And then a year later, we did it again. And then a year later, we haven't really gotten ever gotten back together. We've only like been talking this year and like talked about it. Mm-hmm. But like enough to keep pulling you back in and keep pulling you back in and just enough to Sort of. well, since November, I've just been like, we can be friends, that's fine. I obviously care about you, but I just don't trust you, and I don't really think you're capable of the bold and burly it takes for fidelity. And I was basically, and then he told me he was going to move to LA to be with me. And I just, I was like, you can't, like, like I understand you saying that, but you can't say those things to me because I, one, I don't think you mean them, and two, like I'm okay with talking and being your friend, but I, I don't want to be with you. And then that's when he just kept trying, and then like three weeks ago, I said, okay, fine, let's give it a go, and he just completely ignored me. Wow. And you're sure that the message was received, and that there's not a, you know, sometimes people's messages don't actually go through, so. 
But I mean, if they're talking about something like that, even if he doesn't get that one particular text, he wouldn't ignore her. When's the, when was this text sent? Um, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before that. Okay, I called him, he, and it went straight to voicemail, and then I texted him, and he ignored it. And then I emailed him, so he definitely got it. Okay, so you did have several different methods, and you, and you communicated in all three of those methods. So that, that's what I was asking. Because, I mean, I've seen where we send text messages, and the person never got them. Or they get, they, they get displayed out of order, and the message is too confusing, and somebody says, well, I'm upset now because of what I think you're saying. So I've seen that kind of experience, too. But we're, we, that's why I just wanted to clear up that that was none of that before we move on to the idea of just absolutely getting him out of your life. So, yeah, he's definitely but if you know, if you're talking about okay, he's gonna uproot his life and move to LA, I don't know where he's living now, but if he's talking about moving to LA, even if he didn't get any of those messages, he would have would have picked up the phone by now if he was, you know. I mean, I'm pretty sure he was with a girl. I have like this weird thing with him there. I, I can always feel like this weird anxiety. That's also how I knew the last time he cheated on me, and I went and looked. In exactly the spot I need to look. Um, mm -hmm. So, right. So he's he's found a distraction of some sort, and he's good with distracting himself. But eventually, he keeps coming back to you. That's correct. I mean, I, I guess so. Yeah. Well, do you know? I, does he does he pursue other people as well? Do you know any of that? Um, I know he was talking to another girl there. I'm pretty sure it's the same girl that he was with this last Sunday. Um, because I just, I don't know. I've always, like, had those weird feelings. And so, like, at one point this year, I think maybe January, when he was still asking if we could do this again, I just was like, I know you're, like, seeing some girl. I don't know why you're trying. You don't need to ask me those things while you're seeing someone. <laughs> And then he admitted to it. He said, well, we're more just friends than anything. And it's nothing, it's, it's nothing serious. Don't worry about it. And I, was, and I was still, and then he said he was coming to visit in March. And he just kept asking if he could see me. And then in February, I finally was just like, no, you, you're seeing someone. That's not okay. Mm -hmm. you, you can't do this. And then... It, like the next day he messaged me and he told me well I stopped I told her I can't see her anymore so uh, I, I, I mean I feel like he really did so let me ask you this question because whenever I help people make a decision or move forward this is the to me this is one of the deal breaker things on the very best day of your relationship was it enough Yeah, that's what I mean. If you couldn't get through a whole day, at the very best part of your relationship, if there was never a single day that was just magical and perfect, then that's something to look at. If you didn't feel completely connected and loved and were able to get through a whole day that way, then there's something to look at. No, then no. I never thought it was enough. Okay. And... If he's never been enough up to this point, then what you're looking at is a project. And do you want a relationship that's going to be a project? I 
think I might have before, but I don't write anymore. I agree with that. I believe before it was, there was excitement there and there was value there to help somebody be a better person. But I think we all reached that moment where I'm done repairing other people. I've learned enough about myself and I'm ready just to enjoy life. Do you think you, you're there? I think so, yeah. But then... Yeah, I think you're there too. So, um, Monica, do you have anything on this before we move to the next part? Oops. I'm sorry, I was getting a call. I didn't realize. I can't hear you guys when we're getting it, when I'm getting a call. Monica, do you have anything? Do you have anything to add to this before we move forward? Um, oh, I was just going to um, say that I've I've been in that space before. So I mean, at the beginning, it's you know, there's potential. But then once, you know, six, six years down the line, that's a lot of time to observe whether that potential can be reached. And like, there's basically at that point, no denying where you're at. Um, and what you're dealing with, right? Yeah. So there was a couple of things I was going to add to this, but I think um, it's better you continue for, for now. And um, Well, I do think it's important when we're trying to make this decision because once you make the decision, then, then you can start the steps. But if you can't make the decision, the steps won't do anything for you. So I do think it's important to look at, you know, is this something I wanna keep diving into? Is this something I wanna make permanent? Because like with my partner I have right now with Sergio, I mean, we went back and forth on the same topics forever. And each time it would get a little less of a problem. But the beginning of our relationship was amazing before we dumped all our baggage on each other. It was just perfect. And, and I remember hearing in my head saying, uh, you know, this is, this is gonna be temporary because eventually you gotta go through the muck. And I think, Lindsay, knowing you, that you've already been through the muck, and if you're coming out soiled every single time and not feeling like there's improvement or there's hope, then it's probably not the guy for you. No, I don't feel like he's ever actually done anything, I feel like. And I guess that's maybe w w more why I feel so hurt right now, because I I feel like, oh, I know what this is, you do this, and then I fell for it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I add something here? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I've been there before, too, and I think um, a lot of times, like, a big part of what, what I've realized, at least for me, um, was you know it would be so deeply painful because it well one it brought up a lot of other traumas from my life which um if it's important i'll i'll, I'll say something about that um later but i think that what hurt in in this whole thing was what i did to myself realizing i did this to myself i allowed someone to treat me like this because I did know better and you do looking back you do realize okay well I saw all of it and then I just you know kind of waved it off and made excuses for him and then I kept putting myself through this and a lot of what really hurt was um th this disappointment in myself this this sort of anger with I did this to myself so I think that is um 
I mean, I don't know if that's. I think that's a common a common behavior as well, because yeah, when you're once you're alone, you don't you don't have anywhere else to push. So of course you start pushing on your own self, and looking at yeah. uh, you know taking responsibility for things. But this is this is a critical part right here of moving through a relationship to get to a good place. And that is to realize that no matter what we do ever, we are not going to impact the other person. They have to pick up something and choose to be impacted by it. There's nothing that we can ever do that changes the other person. So when we look at something and we start to take responsibility for, ah, oh, I let this happen again, I don't really think that's an, a kind way to treat ourselves. I think looking at, oh, okay, I recognize this as their pattern, and it's a pattern I don't want to be part of anymore. So I haven't done anything wrong. I may, and I don't want to treat myself, as, if I treat myself as I fell for it, then that means I did something wrong. But if I just observe that, oh, I recognize this, and this is the last time I'm going to put myself in this position, and it's just a, it's just a factual experience versus taking on responsibility for something painful. And again, that's one of the critical parts of leaving a relationship is recognizing that this is a temporary experience and I don't have to repeat it if I don't want to. When we take, we, when, once we can accept that this is a temporary experience and, I, and it's not necessarily saying something about me, we then can look deeper into, okay, so, so the other person's behavior is not about me, but my desire to be part of their behavior is about me. So then we look into, you know, why would I want that? Why would I think I deserve to be treated that way? What were the examples in my life that made that behavior okay? So, for instance, I can say in my life, my parents would fight about their things and it was never in front of us. I never got to see their fights. And then they would, you know, take, my mom would go visit her sister and then she'd come back and they would work everything out and they, they're still in love, they're still married and they've been together forever. They're in their 70s now. And so I had a really good example. So for me, I put up with a lot of stuff in my relationships because I always assumed that the other person wanted to fight as hard as me to have a good relationship because of the example I had. Now, most people would say that's good, but I was using that really good example to keep myself in a bad relationship with a person that didn't know how to fight to have a good relationship. So it's important to, again, question what's keeping us here. So, so what do you think, uh, Lindsay, what do you think is, is your examples that are keeping you here? I guess when I think about it, I just keep feeling like if I leave, that's when he's going to change. So I might as well just stick it out a little bit longer. Just then, I guess you usually, well, usually I guess I apply that concept to things that are not relationships and it's always worked. Uh, like if I just keep trying to get that job, eventually I get it. Uh -huh. Or if I just keep trying to do that one thing, eventually I get it. Like I don't think there's ever been an instance where I don't get it. Right. So I believe that if you keep doing this, you can get the relationship. But I believe that you're actually sabotaging yourself because you don't 
truly want the relationship. Because even on the best day of this relationship, it wasn't enough. So that would be how you would keep, you're actually in your own way at that point. Do you see how you have like the, you have a circular distortion where as soon as it starts to get good, well, I don't actually want it, so I better make sure I don't bring him back in. And then, is it making sense what I'm trying to say? Yeah, because after he did come visit, like everything was fine and he was like, I'm gonna move to LA. And I did find myself kind of thinking, oh God, I really hope something happens that he can't. Right. And then like two weeks later, <laughs> his job was like, well, we'll make you vice president, but you can't move to LA yet. <laughs> uh, see, so a lot of times we think that if the relationship is a problem and we don't stop to think that we're actually in control of our reality and we're controlling it in a way that it's gonna meet our needs. So what you have to start to realize is if, you're, if it's not working out and you're in control of the situation and you didn't actually get excited about the possibility of him moving, then there's still something else inside of you that's keeping you where you're at and it has nothing to do with him. So what benefit would it give you if he did end up becoming that guy? I mean, is, so you've, you've had other relationships and you've had good relationships and you've had bad relationships. Why, why is this the guy in your head versus some of these other ones? Is it because he keeps coming back? I don't think that's it because, well, I think everyone's always come back, but I'm not sure if that's them or me making them come back. <laughs> but I mean, once they do, I don't ever go actually get back with them because I just ignore them. Um, <laughs> ah, interesting. Um, can I add something or do you want to, do you have more you want to say? <laughs> Lindsay? I don't know why it's him. <laughs> don't know. Okay, Monica, go ahead. Okay, um, so I think that, um, like a good, uh, couple things. To what you were saying, Christine, I would do the same thing, but for completely different reasons, because I had a lot of bad examples, and like, um, I was born in Europe, I left my family, we moved to Germany, and then we moved here, and I left my family again, so for me, goodbyes were very traumatic so it's like when I got into you know even if it wasn't good it was just so hard to like say goodbye because it's like okay well there's love here there's something like a friendship or something and it would just be very hard for me to to let go of that and um and then like I had uh kind of not not the nicest mom so you know it just like when I when they didn't really when a partner didn't really give me what I wanted I just thought, okay, well, that's just, you know, as good as I deserve because, look, I wouldn't require that of them. I wouldn't, I didn't have that expectation. I just would hope. But then when they, they didn't show up the way I wanted them to, I'm just sitting there kind of repeating the old pattern of, okay, well, you know, this these people are mean to me. Those other people are mean to me. I guess I just don't deserve it and that's never going to change. <sighs> I guess I'm not, you know, and, and like right. the, I would just go swimming in this, in this, like, pool of like okay this is just the same old belief system but I didn't know how to 
expect better and and want better but it's like deep down i i knew it mm-hmm. but i didn't know how to express that or how to actually ask for help because it's like i've never in my life asked for help that's a problem for me so um i i just didn't think it mattered and then I'm, i was used to saying it's okay i don't need to have what i want i don't want to you know like it, 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 that was like that that was a big thing for me for not being able to say goodbye in this sort of unworthiness that that I was kind of swimming in and it's like I'm more and more and more and more every year in my life now um I'm learning to expect more to to not really tolerate the same things that I did before mm-hmm. and and to not self blame instead of instead I would you know realize that hey this is the other person talking this doesn't have anything to do and this is not a reflection of my actual worthiness and who i am you know i'm not this piece of shit that they get to do what they want with and it's like it's okay it's not okay and i now am going to choose to walk away or to um not spiral into the same belief system mm-hmm. um so anyway so that that's one thing um the other, the other yeah, that's actually three things. So let me go through them real quick, and then you can add the next part okay. to make sure it's really clear. One okay. is yeah. the fear of loss. That's a really important thing, because sometimes we hang on to somebody because we have ingrained in us a fear of loss, and we think, well, there's not going to be somebody else. Nothing else is going to show up. If I lose this, I'm going to be alone. I mean, that, that, And we don't necessarily think it through, but that's underlying, especially if we had a lot of loss, like you said, you know, relationships moving, a lot of that. So if we had a lot of loss, then a lot of times we, if somebody keeps coming back, well, there's value in that for us because we don't have other long-term relationships that did that for us. Um, a second thing is, again, your examples. You brought that up again. The example is it, we, we behave as the examples in our lives until we realize something we want or we're willing to change and look for a different example. And that's another important part is I stopped trying to stay with somebody who was bad for me because I was willing to let go of every belief I ever had about marriage. So I was told, don't get divorced. So I, I couldn't let it go. I, I stayed because that was a bad thing. And I had to let go of everyone else's beliefs in order to choose me. And then the third thing you, you hit on was, uh, well, this is as good as it's gonna get. I, I, I don't deserve more. I don't know how to ask for more. And those are all critical things that we have to look at when we're struggling is, am I carrying this kind of baggage? And what can I do not to carry it anymore? So thank you so much for all those details, Monica. And you said you have another thing to add as well. Yes, yes. And thank you for clarifying all that. I tend to ramble and you're like, and then you always put it so perfectly into like, my God, it's both. I love it. No, it's 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 wonderful. Anyway, so um, the other thing I was going to ask is, um, like, okay, so you really want to ask yourself, what do I want to experience? What do I want to experience in my life? Um, how do I want to live my life? And what do I want to experience in a relationship? And does it necessarily have to be with him like what kind of experience do you want to have because i mean you know like with the same person um you you can have you you know like different women can have a different experience with the same person so um it's not necessarily about them near well not nearly as much as it is about you like what kind of 
love, what kind of relationship, what kind of everything is it that you want to experience? And this is something that ask yourself this as many times as possible. Because like for me, um, like I had a very abusive, traumatic upbringing. So for me, um, I, I, I realized later, you know, I, I shut down so much of what I wanted to be more convenient to everybody else mm-hmm. and also to sort of stay out of the way and, you know, like, hey, I'll settle for scraps of love because I'm not expecting that bigger picture. I'm not expecting that magic. And now I'm like, you know what? I want to have fun. I want to, I want more. And, and then I, I stopped feeling guilty about wanting more. So, um, what do you think, Lindsay? Because I do know that you're brilliant and vibra- vivacious and just you've got so much excitement inside of you. And I do know that this relationship didn't allow you to express that part of yourself. So, so what's your take on that? I mean, I do, if, if I had a choice, like I do want to, with him, I do want it. To, I would want it to be like, just fun where we can just go out together and just have fun just us and not even think about it or worry about it but I I do I just want fun and I want somebody that I know can be like stably financial as well as like I can trust to not cheat on me (laughs) right so uh, you hadn't talked much about the finances but I did think that that is part of part of the attraction too because you said he has a good job and since you do want a stable life, that could be something that can keep you coming back. And, and don't worry, because a lot of times in the past we were told that, oh, you're a gold digger, blah, blah, blah. No, this is a very reasonable expectation is to pick somebody who can provide for you as a human being. Whether you're male or female, you're going to want to pick somebody who contributes to your success. So responsible. It does make me feel like kind of ashamed to admit that when you ask, like, what do I like about him, I can't really think of anything other than he makes money and he's attractive. Like, right, and he's good-looking, too. I mean, that's a huge benefit because you got to look at somebody every day. You want to be attracted to them in the way they look. If you look at somebody and they don't turn you on and you don't get excited about seeing them, that can be a real burden. So these are important things. And unfortunately, I'm really sorry if society has made you feel bad about looking at these things. But if you don't look at them, you're not going to have what you want in your life. So I'm, I'm glad you can acknowledge that you do feel bad about them. And that's important to see, too. That but as far as, like, personality or a sense of humor or just going out to dinner together, like, I don't find him funny or, like, in, inspiring in any way to have a conversation with. Right. I, so this... Go ahead, Monica. Okay, so I was just gonna say in terms of that, um, I, I had a guy once, like my, I had a boyfriend in high school, like my dad, he wanted to get me like a present and it wasn't anything like extravagant, but it was like, you know, not something that was just some little trinket, but um, he, my dad made me feel very guilty. He's like, no, you cannot accept such a thing. And it's like, and anytime my whole life, anytime somebody did something for me, I'd be like, no, 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 you, that's too much. No, please don't. Mm-hmm. And I'd give it back where I'd feel so guilty. I'm like, oh, God, I can't let them be so terribly inconvenienced to give me a freaking trinket. It's really not that big a deal. You can buy me a house. You can buy me yeah. a car. You, got, you wanted to give me a pager. But look you what you, me Monica, I want, to, I, want to, I want to point out something that you just did. 
look at how we've been brainwashed to believe that, okay, it should be, you know, the different levels matter. Because what if he did have the capability of buying you a house? It's not exactly. a, you know, why, why exactly. is that a bad thing to accept? And I did, went through the same thing exactly. about not accepting things because I was, I was made to believe that a humble person doesn't accept extravagant gifts. And I had, yeah, so. Exactly. And, and it's like, you know what? We're not, we're not kids anymore. We're not teenagers or, or college kids. We're, we're adults. Meaning you want somebody that's responsible. You want somebody that's successful. And I had a conversation with a guy once a long time ago and this stuck with me. I'm like, oh, my God, it was revelational. He's like, well, no, there's no, like the, the whole gold digging thing. Like, not that I'm suggesting that's the case here, but the point is that, and I'm finally learning, I'm finally learning, hey, I gotta accept, I have to allow somebody to do nice things for me, whether it's a man or, or friends or things like that. And I'm still kind of struggling with that. But mm -hmm. I really need to fully knock that out of my head. Right. But um, this guy I don't have a problem with him paying for things. <laughs> <laughs> See, you want it, right? I know. But there's still guilt there. It's not it's, it's not really guilt that I want it. It's guilt okay. that that's when I think about what I why I like him, that those are the only two things. Well, like you've had like, six years I, to get to know him if that's all that is is left to to, you know, feel good about to, to look at that hey well yeah, like, even, even like on our first point. date I think those are the only two things like and maybe it's changing now because I'm like well I don't just want somebody who's attractive with money I want someone that's going to be fun to just hang out with right a partner you want a partner but one that's responsible and this guy said to me you know the whole thing we're in a city civilization now but it's in nature it's survival of the fittest society is now restructured where the fittest is not necessarily the strongest and best hunter it's the one able to provide because in the survival of the fittest he's the one that can provide for the family he can hunt he can build a house he can you know keep you alive and your kids so you want somebody that can keep you and your kids um you know well provided for and and just the society has sort of restructured into that and he said so it's a completely natural thing and it's like we're adults you want somebody that's going to be responsible and not you know be worrying about how he's going to not be able to pay next month's rent like yeah right so that's that's um let me bring this back around to something else too because i want i want Lindsay yeah. to make i want her to see that she's probably not as shallow as she's considering Lindsay, you've gone out with unattractive men before haven't you yes all right, so, it, so there's no problem there. We prefer to be attracted to somebody, but we're open to other opportunities because we want to try something, we want to see something, we find something interesting in them. So it's definitely okay. I want to, and I don't know how to, I don't know how to make you okay with this, but I want you to just keep remembering that it's definitely okay. That, like the same thing Monica was saying, is to look for these things and to expect these things. And also, the reason I say this too is, whoever we find attractive, it's our point of view, and it's not necessarily a global thing. So when I look at my partner Sergio, I see him as gorgeous. But when we're in a bad way, I can see how ugly he is. <laughs> so that's another thing, is whoever you fall in love with, they're gonna be good looking to you because love does that to you. And, but that, so that's a little off topic, but still on topic. So now I'm gonna bring us back to center, which is, 
we already know that Chris is not the guy for you. We already know that this isn't something that you want. And you're finding yeah. yourself hung up on it. So I think Monica pointed to it earlier about value, that there's something in there about yourself that needs to be valued so that you don't... I almost, Go ahead. Oh, I almost also feel like when I think about my value, like, oh, well, if I had a better job and I was, since I find this so great about him, if I had a better job and I was making more money, then maybe he would I want to act like, like he would want to act the way I need him to. Ah, interesting. Huh, that is a very interesting theory. And I do wonder where you would have gotten that from. Because again, that goes back to the value of you. If you're better, then you'll be treated better. But the value that we add to things, they're not inherent values. See, if I go move into a, a, an area of the, of the planet that doesn't use money, and I just cut my own trees and I make my own house, then my value is my shelter. But if I'm living in the city then, and I can't buy a house because I don't have enough money, my value is my money. So that's the other thing to look at too, is where are you assigning value and why are you making those seem to be inherent even though they're not? Because the only thing that's inherent is that we, are, we all come from love. And that's an energetic fact. And it's, it, I can prove it. Everyone always says, no, this is not a loving person. I can prove over and over. And I've never had anybody not be convinced in the end that everything does come from love once you know how to look. So if you are this loving person and you're giving yourself as love and it's not being reflected back as love, then you're not going to feel valuable no matter what else you change. So let's see if I, I'm not sure I made that clear. Can you re repeat back to me what you understand from what I just said? Sorry, I'm just trying to process. Yeah, it's, it, is a big, it is a big thing. So I'm gonna go through it again, so, unless you so, can. If you're ready, go ahead. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to show him I love him in ways that don't actually add up to what I consider value? That is a big thing to understand, yes. And the, the reason you give him more value is because what, what means value to you, he has. But as, you, as you're recognizing and you're wanting to have a happy life, you're starting to recognize that, yeah, you still need those things, but that's not the valuable part of the person anymore. Okay, they're necessary, just not value. Yes. So in your current in the current community we live in, money is necessary, but it's not what makes anybody valuable. Good looks is necessary because on first impression, community still accepts people that are good looking over people who don't have apparent good looks. Although later on we can often find people attractive when we get to know them, when we get to understand them, we see past what we socially accept as good looking. So what, what I'm trying to get at here is that you are making your choices about yourself based on perceived values. And you, which shows that you're still, in your self-value, you're still a little low. 
because yeah. if, if you were different, he would change. And there's no truth in that at all. And how do I know this? Be well, I've seen it a thousand times over and over. It doesn't matter how a person changes. I've helped, I've helped thousands of people change their behavior in ways that they said would make them happy only to find out that they didn't become happy because there's no value there. So when, you, when he doesn't see you, and this is the other thing you have to look at in a partnership, if your partner doesn't see you, then they can't communicate with you. So like you said, when you wanna be fun and have a good time, he doesn't see that in you. And this is vice versa. Let's give Chris some kudos on this, on this topic too because he has a sense of humor that you don't appreciate. But guess what? There is somebody who does appreciate that sense of humor. So it's not that Chris needs to change necessarily. I mean, of course, we all are learning and growing, and I don't mean that we all can just stay stagnant. But we don't have to change for another person. If we continue to be the truth of who we are, we start to attract the person who matches. So I then question, because you keep attracting Chris, and he's not the guy that will, on your best day that you would, you would be in love with, then you have to question, how are you hiding yourself? How, how, which means, like, what are you critical of of yourself? And like you just said, you don't have the best job. You're not making the most money. So you're critical of yourself about those things. And even if you become okay, if it keeps repeating, then there's still more in there that you're not okay with. And it might not be apparent what those things are. So if away from Chris, oops. If away from if away from Chris, pay all my bills and still have some to save. I guess I just I, I would like to be doing something else. Okay. Do you find your personal value in work that you do? Um, I guess. I guess I do, yes. Like, well, not in the current work that I do now. I guess I, before the pandemic and when I was able to, like, actually try and make money just dancing, I enjoyed that. And in some way, I guess it, did make me feel like, oh, I have a cool job, so I must be cool. <laughs> but <laughs> it's not so much the case anymore. Right. And that's, again, that's an important thing because society gave us these values and told us that this, you know, cause and effect, this equals this. But there's no truth in any of that. And I mean, I guess I do hide most of my personality, like around new people I don't really just be myself and then sometimes when I am with Chris I don't really I, I don't really necessarily think it's always him making me not be myself sometimes it's just me right so so if we were going to look with see with that understanding the next thing if you were going to look at being in a relationship with him the very first thing you would have to do is be you 
the way you enjoy yourself and not compromise on that. And then he would have the opportunity to accept that, embrace it, or perhaps he's doing the same thing. Perhaps he's hiding parts of himself. And perhaps the attraction is that underneath everything, you already know that there's something more. But perhaps, or just perhapses, and we can't, we can't really live a life based on those, but we can use those to look at things. So it still looks like Chris is not a good match for you. But the fact that you guys keep coming back together makes you wonder, okay, so what's bringing us together? And I think there's some of that underlying, if you were fully yourselves, maybe there would be a better connection, maybe certain things. Now, Lindsay, something we haven't talked about that you brought up is that he's unfaithful. Are you, are you um, a monogamous person all the time? Okay, so why would that unfaithfulness bother you if you don't necessarily need to be monogamous? Um, Can we take it back to fear of loss? <laughs> um, well, that maybe, but also I think he might be the first person that I wanted a monogamous relationship with. I think a lot of the times before him, I was in relationships because I said, well, this is what you do. You get a boyfriend. You're supposed to have a boy. This is just what you do. Ah, okay. So you changed part of yourself when you got in this relationship and you might have attracted somebody that doesn't fit that mold. That's an interesting thought too. Well, I mean, I, I've, I think I've always wanted to, like, have, like, my person that's just my person, and I don't want anyone else, and they don't want anyone else either. Ah, okay. So you, perf- you, you do think you want to be monogamous. It's not that you just suddenly um, gave up something that was comfortable before. Can, can I add something here? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, for, for clarification on it, like, okay, so... Um, because what I'm understanding, just to try to clarify here, um, like when you care about someone, do you want to be monogamous, or is it like okay, you you don't necessarily have to be monogamous because it's um, because you didn't feel that way about the guys that you were with, so it was more like okay, well they're just there, but it's like I'm open to someone else because I don't really 100% want to be there because it's like okay, I've but like me for I'll use me as an example, like me. If there's someone I have feelings for, if there's someone I care about and, you know, there's like, like things are more lining up, I'm completely loyal. I'm completely devoted, monogamous. I don't want to think about anybody else, but it's like if I, if I go out with someone and I don't really care about them, they're just kind of like, you know, hey, I'm just going out on a date because I'm bored. Um, I totally am open to meeting other people and I just, they're, they're not a priority. It, it, like, is that the case yeah or, or I think that... that's it because I think before well I think before I didn't really like want to be someone's girlfriend it was just like well we've been dating for a while and then society says this is what you do so now they're your boyfriend even mm-hmm. yeah and yeah I think that's it because once I started to really care about him like I didn't really care to ask what he was doing or who he was doing it with or anything about it and then once I started to really care about him that's when I was like Oh, well, we should not do that. <laughs> ah, interesting. So do you think there's a little bit of brainwashing in there? Because, like, I, I also know, 
And this was really surprising to me to find out that this was part of my brainwashing. Um, when I have a ring on my finger, I'm so much more relaxed in my relationship than when I don't. And I don't actually need to be married, but it still keeps coming up in my thoughts that if I just had a ring on my finger, I would have that relaxation back. And that was an unexpected thing that occurred when I got married the first time was I didn't think it was gonna make a difference. We'd already lived together for a year. We already had a kid. Who cared if we got married? I mean, we're doing it for health insurance and other things like that in society. I didn't actually need to get married, but when I did, oh my gosh, I felt so loved and I felt so wonderful. I was shocked. So what if you had the opposite experience where, okay, I'm ready for this relationship. I'm already in the relationship, but if it's not a real relationship unless it looks like this. Um, unless it looks like monogamy? Yeah, what if that's, what if that's something driving you that's actually making your relationship more difficult? Well, may maybe, because, I mean, before you're not worried about someone cheating on you until you decide you want it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So another thing that I know about people is they need to be able to have their own experiences. Now, don't worry. I'm still on your side with if I'm, if I'm in a relationship and I have boundaries with my partner, I'm expecting them to follow those. And it does make me uncomfortable thinking that they're not. So don't misunderstand me with, with the next things that I'm going to say. But when you're in a relationship, your partner needs to have space to have their own experiences in order to figure out things and to have a good life. And if we take away their freedom to have experiences, then we make it impossible for them to be okay. And they will, um, they will lash out in one way or another. So what we can find in a, in a cheater's relationship, and, and we'll just label it that, a cheater, that a cheater cheats because they're afraid of harming their primary partner. That's one reason. Uh, a secondary reason is they find value in a new relationship because the other person hasn't found a reason not to like them yet. So those are the two strongest reasons. And if you look at yours and Chris's relationship, do you think that he has either of those reasons, that he finds value in other people giving him attention, or that he feels like if he does certain things to you that he can harm you, or be harmed himself if he opens up too much? I think it probably is fun for him to be dating someone like how he said before we're just dating it's nothing serious she's not my girlfriend she's never going to be my girlfriend because then it's just fun and he doesn't have to worry about her disliking him yeah so something in his ego and his self-esteem wants that kind of attention and whereas when it was us talking it's like well I can't let her know because that's going to hurt her feelings and then she's not going to like me Right. So there's a, there's a bit of a paradox there that something that you were previously okay with, that shifted as soon as you realized that you wanted a relationship. And then the freedom he had to be okay was taken away. Because he uses that to be okay. But I mean, we did talk about it, like... Yeah, but so 
we can talk all day long about something. I talked to Sergio at least a hundred times about that he doesn't have to hide anything from me because, I mean, I'm his, I'm his best cheerleader. And if he's open with me, I can help him get anything he wants in the world. But that didn't make it okay for him just because we talked about it. It's the, he has to adjust and be okay with sharing. He has to adjust and be okay with me knowing who he is. So what if Chris isn't okay with thinking of you knowing that he has a low self-esteem, that he gets a thrill from something different and from you know, whatever is going on in his world. What if he's not okay with you knowing that? Oh. I mean, just judging from his personality, I definitely don't think he's okay with that. <laughs> so let's, let's back up a minute more. Now that we've talked about a few of these things and let's check in and say, if some of these things were to be understood, would the relationship change in a positive way or is it still something you don't want to have? I think it would change in a positive way, but at, but at the same time, I'm not really sure that I could ever trust that he wouldn't cheat on me again. <laughs> and, that, and that's what we come back to. If cheating is an issue for you, and that's a real true thing, and it's not just something you believe changes in a relationship, then, then yes, he's not your guy. But if cheating became an issue because of a societal belief that's ingrained in you that you're not necessarily aware of, then maybe there's something that works through, and in the end, the relationship is a good relationship. But we just have to remind ourselves on the very best day, under the best of circumstances, if it's never been a great day, then there might not be a match there. That there can be so many pieces in place, but if you don't have all the pieces of your puzzle, you're still looking at holes. And if you're not willing to live with the holes, then it's not the puzzle you want and you need to get another puzzle. Now, I'm gonna go ahead and move forward in this conversation with the belief that Chris is not the guy. But that's not to say that later on you can look back at this conversation and, and make a different decision. But for today's goal of letting go of him, we're gonna move forward with the belief that he's not the guy and we're not gonna look at him as the guy anymore. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. So, and, and Monica, chime in at any time on this stuff. So since he's not the guy, what is it we need to look at and rationalize away, you know, stop all, you know, stop using the rational brain. What is it we need to look at deeper that's causing you to keep coming back to something that you don't actually want? Because that's always going to be about you. And um, I'm going to go ahead and go a little bit deeper in thought and I'll let the two of you talk for a minute and I'm going to try to search for some pieces while you chat. So I have something to add here. Um, one thing I was thinking of um, in all this, and this is something I've been learning for myself, because um, a lot of times when we're with somebody who's not really giving us what we need, and we aren't really happy with them, but you know, whatever reasons, it's like it's all it's like an addiction or um, whatever whatever reason we're just holding on to some hope of something of getting something 
or some little bit of safety that at least you know it's it's something familiar but anyway so it's um there's like a I don't remember what it's called but it's kind of connected to Chinese facial reading where um we go through different periods in our like 20s, 30s, 40s and 50s and one thing that in our 50s we start learning to give to ourselves those things that haven't um that we haven't we feel we haven't been given by other people in our life whether it's you know our parents and there's some like deep sort of missing thing that we wanted and we kept searching for it through different relationships and friendships and it kind of you know um deepens our attachment like an instant attachment to people um which at least that's been the case for me um because like i said i i left and like you know pretty much i lost my whole family my whole life was uprooted and we moved away and then so it's always like i was you know and i had this wonderful family i just adored them all and well most of them <laughs> um but but like i was always trying to sort of like recreate that family and so it's always i was always looking for that and so i've started like looking deeper into that and um and, and looking into what is it i want and and then i'm still working on this but you know i'm getting better and better at it but started started giving myself more of what i need like looking at my needs what are my needs that are not being fulfilled and a lot of it is like <laughs> sort of overcoming these really deep traumas that have kind of stayed with me since a very young age um of of this deep loss and um wanting to be accepted and wanting to belong again because since then I still haven't found that and you know it, and I'm always looking for that in in somebody else somebody else to like accept me and um this and that and and I've really been working on learning to accept myself so that you know what so that I can see other people clearly around me and it's like you know their acceptance doesn't really matter because I don't even like them they're not even nice people so it's not a big deal it's okay if they don't accept me because also the last many years I've been finding more of my tribe if you will um people who are more on my wavelength and and that I can you know um we can understand each other better and and they they think more along the lines the the way I do and see the world a little differently from from the people that I was trying to um gain acceptance with and it's like it just made me give too much in relationships where it was sort of that typical empath narcissist kind of relationship where I'm giving 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 to them not to me so much so that I'm not even noticing that they're not giving to me and I'm like wait a minute mm. No, I'm going to actually put me first. But they don't get what they want. Eh, oh well. Yeah, they have to and look somewhere like, else, oh, right? Pardon? They have to, if they don't get what they want from you, they can look somewhere else, right? <laughs> well, they can get, they can go get it themselves. Yes, yes. And it, you know, it can be like little things. It's like little things. It's like, okay. Um it, it like it, from small things to big things and it's like, you know, I I put them first because like I do it from from love but 
there's also that sort of codependent codependency thing where I'm like, please love me, please love me, okay? But you know, I I do it like it's it's genuine. But then it becomes very imbalanced where I'm giving and giving and giving, and I'm realizing, wait a minute, I'm putting all my needs on the back burner. I'm neglecting myself. I'm making sure they have everything and beyond that they could want, need. But they're not doing the same for me, and I and I wouldn't notice it for the longest time. And now I'm finally like at the point where it's like, you know what? I have to really get back to um, taking care of my needs because when I'm single, I did. I think I did better with that. But I think it took relationships for me to realize that about myself, and not just to realize it, because to some extent, sure, I realized it, but to really have to face it and stop and pull back from overgiving. And to realize why am I overgiving, and is this really like benefiting me? Because right now I should be doing something for me. I should be taking care of my needs, my, you know, making sure I'm eating, not just that you know those around me are eating, and um, mm-hmm. like be- being so busy cooking for them that I'm like too tired, or I I, f- I get busy and distracted. I don't do that for me, or you know, sitting down and reading a book because the last like five years of my life I haven't even picked up one book, and I used to go for coffee dates with my friends. And usually have two, three books in my purse, <laughs> and usually they're sticking out because they don't even fit. And I, they go to the bathroom five, for five minutes, and I'm sitting there reading. And, and my friend gave me shit about that because she's like, "Are you still reading like you used to?" And I'm like, "No," I'm, but I'm making husband dinner. And it's like, <laughs> um, you know, like these these fantastic like gourmet meals, and I'm like, "Why?" I like the simple, nutri- like healthy, you know, a lot of vegetables, just meat. Food mm-hmm. combinations, this and that. Oh, but he wants this. Okay, so we're gonna eat that, and then I gain thirty pounds. <laughs> Sounds like you've so, done a really good job over the last few years recognizing how, how you treat yourself, and you're getting and, that in alignment. And be, only because, mostly because I was kind of forced to it. So, um, you know, we can try to make those choices consciously, and the more we try to make them consciously we're kind of we're in these difficult situations is when we um are forced to make the hard decisions because those are the moments that like like i i had a very um cruel mother who guilted me on everything it's like if i ask for anything for me it's like god how can you be so selfish so it's like if i'm not putting everybody else first and and neglecting myself there's this guilt that comes up and it's like and it's less and less mm-hmm. you know um but it's like you you really have to face like whatever whatever it is that's kind of holding you to to these patterns whether it's like the the you know and, and it's usually a lot of different reasons like i mean just like the, the fear of loss is not going to be enough by itself the, with that usually comes other things of you know like multiple things that kind of keep pulling you and keep um you kind of trapped right they make the complicated they make the puzzle complicated because if it's just loss that's easy to see but what's complicating the puzzle so exactly i i I think i might just be like obsessed with winning or something yes okay so let's go (laughs) ahead understandable i was like when i was younger i was like well don't give up just try again just try and 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 I took that pretty literally in everything other than relationships. And it worked pretty well. Like, I wanted to be on the cheerleading team. I didn't make that one time, but I was there the next time. Or I wanted that black art job, and I didn't get it 
the first couple times, but I made sure I got it eventually. And mm-hmm. or like, I just kind of get one track minded on saying I want something, and instead of realizing it's okay midway to decide you want something else, I'm like, no, 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 we already decided that we're doing ah. it, and that's that. That's it. That's all that's going to happen. And I'm not stopping until it happens. That is a really good observation of yourself. And that actually feeds into, I found three statements when I was looking that kind of blend with what you're talking about right now. And um, I'll I'll read them and then we can discuss them if you're okay with it. The first one, which I was actually kind of surprised, it says, disappointment makes me feel happy. So that's statement one. Statement two is, looking for safety outside allows me not to have to accept all of myself. That's two. And then the third statement is, finding pain in the self-importance of others creates an indifference for me. So these are all three protective statements. Um, is there, do you like any, do you want to talk about any specific one? Um, can, can, can we repeat that one more time? Yeah, I'll go through them again. Because <laughs> um, they're pretty strong statements. The first one, which took me totally by surprise, was disappointment makes me feel happy. Now, if we, if we, let's just talk about that in an application to what you said just before, which was, you know, when you don't win, you're gonna keep going until you do. This matches exactly that. Disappointment makes me feel happy because then it's a challenge. Then I'm gonna work hard and I'm gonna succeed and I'm gonna feel even better. That's, no, 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 I don't want to do that anymore. Right. So when you find when you find that happening, the first thing you have to do is remind yourself that you're choosing a different way. So not so every time you're disappointed now, you don't want to. So what? The, let me go back a little bit and explain it even more. When you were younger, disappointment feels really bad, and so you would do something to feel better. And like you said, you would win. So winning made you feel better, and it made the disappointment not matter anymore. So now, when you feel disappointment, instead of trying to win, you're going to have to allow yourself to go through that emotion of what disappointment means. Why does it matter to be disappointed? What, you know, can you just feel it and then be done with it and not ever have to do anything else about it? I mean, you're going to, that's what working through it means, to, to not just feel better, as quick as you can or in a way that makes you feel even more powerful, but to just experience that feeling of disappointment. So I think that's the first thing you'll need to work on. Okay, the, um, the second statement was, looking for safety outside allows me to not have to accept all of myself. So when somebody treats you a certain way, yep. huh? Oh, I just wanted to, um say yep oh. <laughs> to that one because that, that's very that's powerful can you can you add more about what you think about that and and what it how it impacts your life um well i want to add something to, to the first one okay um it's like okay disappointment makes me feel happy it's not so much it's not in the way that we we understand where we assume happiness is it's like we, we don't rejoice at disappointment it's just like the ego gets some satisfaction out of it um that the ego gets some satisfaction out of it that um it proved to me right well you know what all men are assholes and i 
you like you know it's it's especially reinforcing like a pattern of emotional um you know an emotional pattern of something you've um gone through many times like disappointment or you know loss in my case my like that's my pattern and being always alone so that's for me traumatic but it's like but, so i'm always looking to prove um not i'm always looking to prove but i saw this was a pattern with me it's like i'm always looking for that and trying to prove somebody well you're not going to be there for me anyway you know yes. i don't say that out loud but it's like yeah so see i proved you right huh yeah, and there is satisfaction in being right, even when it's the worst moment of your life. That's an absolute, you're right. And it makes you feel safe because you understand, because yes. being happy is a foreign, uncharted territory. It's like, well, I, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do now. Where do I go? How does this work? Where am I? We're, we're in the twilight zone. Where's up? Right. And, and we just don't know what to do with it. And, and because the other one is the only one we really are sort of familiar with and we know how to go about that so it does feel safer because at least we're not you know in some topsy-turvy twilight zone you know portal where we don't know where's up and the other one is definitely something that I see a lot in myself it's like I I needed other people to accept me because I felt like I had so much rejection especially from like my mother and my parents I had this wonderful family but then I came over here with them and either they changed or like it showed you know a lot of trauma for them but they, they just changed in the way they, they were parents and they just didn't show up as parents anymore. So so for me, it was like, they made me feel like shit about myself. So I, I was always trying to ask somebody else, hey, am I okay? Am I really that bad? Please just, you know, oh God, I hope they don't hate me. I'm not, you know, so I needed that reinforcement from somebody else because I, I didn't realize, you know, it doesn't matter because when you're so small, their like parents opinion is all that matters mm -hmm. your family's opinion is the only one that matters and you're too small to really realize hey you know what it's just your parents it doesn't matter so it, it just gets imprinted very early and then it just becomes a pattern so that was a big one for me and now it's like hey i really can accept myself and you know what nobody else's opinion on that matters i'm great and i can choose to actually fully believe that and not just try to believe it right anyway, that's, that's a nice place to get to what do you think Lindsay? It, um it kind of reminds me of something i i'm assuming i heard my mom say because when i it came in my mind it's like oh your mom said this mm -hmm. when i was little like and maybe that might be why disappointment makes me happy would be oh it makes me because it's like, oh, well, that's not even a good story. They, they just did it. They just did that. Like, they just went out there and they just got it on their first try. It was just handed to them. They didn't even try. Uh-huh. She's like, oh, well, I can't, I can't have it. I can't have it on the first try just because I'm good enough on the first try. That's not a good story. Yep. And isn't it interesting? That is literally, we create our reality based on those kinds of thoughts. And we make sure to, to make that real every single opportunity we get or just because it to somebody else it doesn't look like i tried it was just super easy <laughs> and mm -hmm. why can't it be super easy right why can't it be because again we were brainwashed in one way or another something something was said or that we observed and it made sense to us at the time but now we, we've grown and changed and we're still using that baggage from the past to still control things that we're not enjoying anymore so that's why it's time to let them go now, I want to ask you a little bit more about 
how you find safety outside of yourself and instead of accepting all of yourself. And I do know that you truly love who you are. I, I know that. But I also find that you don't always accept all parts of you in every moment. And, I, and it's based on the judgment of others. So would you think that because Chris was critical of you, that he actually is, you're drawn to him more versus somebody who just accepts you as you are? way <laughs> right because then you can win if you can show him that you can be different then you're gonna win again versus just being you um, part of me actually feels like maybe he was a nice challenge in a different way as in making sure I don't hide those parts that he's critical of and just ah. amplifying them in front of him because ah. It's a way of showing myself that I don't really, that I don't care when I do care. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Oh, you know, that's some weird, like, reverse thing. Mm-hmm. Monica? Can I jump in with something? Okay, so, um, to what you were saying, um, a little bit earlier, um, you know, if you, if you don't try on the, if you don't, if you get it on the first try, well, it's too easy, and you didn't really make an effort, you didn't work hard, and you didn't, um, and you don't really deserve it, it just kind of landed in your lap. Um, so it, it just kind of re is reinforced very heavily by this, um, I don't know the exact word I'm looking for here, but like a general societal belief of struggle, like you, we struggle, we have to struggle, life is hard, we have to work hard, mm -hmm. we have to earn it we have to work hard and work hard and keep working at it and then eventually we'll get the cookie and, and then we have to deserve it and earn it and it's just like this this you know many angles of the same concept of we have to struggle with it it has to be a struggle it cannot come easy because because that's for like you know people who never tried or don't don't try and ah. don't work harder yeah you know, like they talk there's, about when, when they talk about rich people or royalty well they didn't ever we we want to feel better about ourselves because we worked harder and that creates our value yeah yeah spoiled people uh, that, you know who never had to work for anything in their life and they they get a you know mercedes-benz or a lexus or a whatever maserati for their 16th birthday and then they crash it and then daddy buys them another one and so it's this this very negative thing of okay you didn't struggle enough to deserve it yeah that that seems about right <laughs> interesting yeah so that might be again one of the reasons that you've been hanging on to this relationship when it wasn't even what you necessarily wanted so i'm glad we're getting to that point now the the last one i have here is finding pain and the self-importance of others creates in me an indifference. That one is a challenging thing to look at because it's really deep. So when you, hmm, do you have any first thoughts on that before I try to say anything? Um, I'm sorry, can we say it one more time? Yeah, it is, it is I really- like I got lost in it somewhere. I agree, it, it is really complicated. So it's, it may be difficult to break this one down. Finding pain, in the self-importance of others. Let's just leave it right there for a second. So that is when, I don't know if you're finding pain in yourself or if you like to see them 
be in pain because they're, they've made themselves important in a way and then they get knocked down because it's not true. So, or you feel pain when they become more important in themselves and they don't recognize that you're important. There's something in there. I almost feel like sometimes I take the blame in, in our relationship to save him from being in any sort of pain. Ah, yes. So he becomes important, and then you you must take, you must be in pain in order to allow him to be important. Yes. Okay. Now the reason you do that is the second part of the sentence, which is it creates an indifference. So you feel more comfortable avoiding your emotions, being indifferent. So if you allow him that, if you're saving him from pain, then you don't have to go through your emotions and you're allowed to be indifferent about it because you know it's not the truth. Somewhere in that sentence, I also kind of thought that if I did allow myself to look at my emotions, I would realize that I've been fighting for something I didn't even want the last two years. Mm-hmm. Right. So and it's like, well, you just wasted all this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think anything's ever a waste when we stop and look at it. We can't actually waste anything. We just went through an experience, and now we're at the other side. And how are we going to choose the next moment? So if you're seeing it that way, I think that's actually going to be a benefit for you because it was time spent in a way that you didn't enjoy and you're ready to enjoy your life. So choosing to spend time in a way that you can enjoy will be better for you than choosing Chris. Yeah. So could that have been like also, um, you said before, you know, you were doing things because you were supposed to. So. Could like the last two years of okay well you know trying to fix it trying to make it work trying to make it work like um you were saying before you had boyfriends because well it's what you're supposed to do and i mean i've done that before it's like well now that i'm with this person i'm obligated and i'm kind of like i have to do the right thing instead of what do i want what do i want to experience instead of like you know the, the societal it is societal programming and guilt complexes and um like this, this um, shaming of people, like you have to do the right thing instead of listen to your heart because, well, so many reasons, I guess. That kind of, I feel like that kind of makes sense because a lot of the times it was like, I mean, I feel like everyone has those friends and it's like, oh, all of their, like the couples go do things together and I just wanted to be included and I mean, I, I could have been, I'm sure looking back on it, I could have been included as a friend. Like, I didn't need to have a boyfriend to be included. Uh, but it made but, it feel easier, huh? Yeah. Ah, that's a good point, too. How often in all this did you ask yourself, what do I want, though? Probably not into the last two years. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then you said the last two years is when you realized you didn't want it but you you kind of you get we get stuck in that okay well you know what it's i've already put so much i've already invested so much time so much energy into this and i have to try to make it work i have to do this i should do that but i don't really want to yeah i, I just want it to be easy 
Mm-hmm. And maybe that is going against my whole, no, it can't be easy. Right. So there's a huge yeah, conflict. Yeah. You know, I find, too, that the herd mentality, like you were just saying about the whole, if I'm dating, I'll be part of the group. That herd mentality plays a lot into our experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I noticed a lot of my friends getting engaged, and that made me start thinking again, oh, wow, I probably should get married one day. And then I remember, no, I don't want to do that. I don't need that. <laughs> but it, yeah. it, it starts making you think that. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And I think it's definitely gone the other way, too. Like, all my friends were single, so then I wanted to be single, too. <laughs> That's it. I do agree with that, because I had a good... I was in a good relationship with Sergio years ago, and a bunch of my friends started breaking up, and I was like, ugh, I hate this guy. Why am I in this relationship? I couldn't believe how, how quickly that crept in and took over my feelings. So, totally, I agree with you. And now I just, maybe I feel slightly confused also because I kind of just want to be alone and not date any or not be in either group for a bit. Yeah. That, that would make it even harder. But I mean, it's a good choice for you. But I mean, the confusion of why would I want this, not understanding why you want that. That sounds to me like I want to actually, you know, not be in this position, not be in that position. I want to actually just think about what I want. Focus on me. And then whenever I kind of get okay with that, like I get a little bit panicky, like, oh no, what if in a year I I do actually want Chris and then he's gone because (laughs) I, but I guess I need to just realize that if that's meant to be, then it will be. And I can just go with what in this moment, I know that I want to just be alone. (laughs) That sounds good. Trusting in this moment that I'm meeting my own needs, that the universe has my back, that I'm not going to lose anything because loss is not possible. That is, I think, the best comfort you could give yourself. I'll just say from my experience, and um, I I did not really have a great experience with uh, relationships or dating, and I spent most of my my 20s um, and before uh, single and um, <laughs> there was things I wanted and then they just didn't work out for one reason or another and and it was just it was really hard because it, it was these types of you know addictions and hopeful and deep feelings but looking back it's like you know <laughs> I could never see it in the moment no matter how many times I knew that to this to be the case but looking back it was like thank god <laughs> thank god it didn't work out right <laughs> my god the universe was protecting me i'm like my god you guys you guys kicked my butt and freaking i like you know to my guides i'm like you guys kicked my butt but okay i believe you now <laughs> but um like okay in an example i was with a and i used I don't use this term loosely, narcissist, and I mean narcissistic personality disorder, um, for four years, and then, like, the fifth year, it was, like, kind of all over the place, and it was just weird, and then, um, a few years back, my mom, um, some years back, 
she she comes up to me and I don't know where she heard this but she was like you know he, he just and she's looking at me with this like deep pity like oh my god is she gonna be okay and I'm like that's probably the first time she's had compassion you know but she's like you know he, he he's living in this sit, other city now and he's married and they just had a child <laughs> and she's looking at me like oh my god my poor thing my poor thing and I just look at her and I thought it was the most hilarious thing in the world. Oh, she's feeling bad for me. I just, I thought it was the funniest thing. And I just burst out laughing and I couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, oh my God. Well, thank God it wasn't me. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. And I'm like, thank God it wasn't me. Nice. So, you know, so there really is no such thing as loss is the point I'm trying to sort of echo there that no matter and I mean, it's easy to say when I'm looking at it in my past, because if that happened today, I'd still be in the same, like, no, <laughs> don't leave me, or whatever the case. But um, every time, it always worked out for the best. And every time, it's like they, you know, it, better things come in, come up because, because you are aligning more with yourself. You're being more true to yourself, and you're like, well... It was good enough before, and it's not good enough today. So you know what, Lindsay? Congratulations on leveling up. Nice. I mean, I sh what it comes down to, you, you, you grew as a person, and I should, I should feel more okay because, like you've said, looking back every time, I've gotten something better. It's, it's just still kind of scary, you know. <laughs> of ah, course. see there, course that's the scary part, and Monica's brought that up a couple of times. And, you know, stepping into the unknown, what is it going to look like to be happy? It's very scary to choose happiness. I've had that same experience, which seems ridiculous when you think about it. Why should it be scary to be happy? But it absolutely is because society tells us that it's not something we deserve or that it's not something we can have, that it's for the rare person. And again, I belong to a group of people. I can't step, step out and be unique like that. Being happy would make, make me ostracized in so many circles etc mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I think you're I think you're almost there where you know you want to be happy you want to have fun and it's, you're just at that step before you solidify it and that's scary for sure yeah yeah it does I mean just the way that before it felt like constant just like crying and depression <laughs> <laughs> every other time and now it doesn't always feel like that like there are definitely moments but it's much more up and down and not as consistently just down so i definitely do it kind of feels like i'm on the edge of the tabbing board and i just need to take that one more step yes i think you are and just one more thing you know like another part of that fear is we do have whether we consciously realize it or not we do realize that hey you know if we're going to change we're going to lose people around us some people will not stick around and like when you peel away the the you know sort of false layers of yourself those false belief systems and you become more true to yourself mm -hmm. certain people that line up with those they are going to fall away and you may lose friends but the thing is like this has happened to me so many times in my life for so long when i didn't understand it and I mean, so much, so countless many years or decades where this kept happening, but eventually I got to the point, I'm like, oh, this person's leaving my life? Good, good, okay, on with it. Yeah, 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 okay, great, yeah, 
you know, nice knowing you too. Get let's let's get on with it. Next, <laughs> next, <laughs> next, right. And you know what? And I got happy about it. I mean, that's different in like intimate situations like that. But um, you know, we we just want to look at like the things that are kind of pulling us and addicting us to them. Oh, one more thing I had that um, oh, I was watching. Um, I've been watching a lot of YouTube's on um narcissists and empaths and like these things and they said something brilliant about it so i think this is um really um <laughs> brilliant when when um and, and we had to talk about like in in one of the groups about narcissists and empaths but anyway um that aside they compared um like what what makes it so addictive and and this becomes this obsessive almost thing. It's like okay, they, they compared it to an example of like the inconsistency of their love. It's like well, sometimes you know if somebody is consistent, they they almost seem safe and boring. It's like when you reach out to them, hey, I need this. Hey, um, come visit. They're always gonna respond the same way. Of course, I'm here for you. I love you always. What do you need? Okay, let's go visit. And they actually show up. And if they don't show up, they call you, hey, something came up. But, you know, they're consistent and they're reliable and they're trustworthy. When it comes to, like, that certain types of people um, where there's a great inconsistency, it's like you can, you know, and, and this seems to be the case here where sometimes you reach out to him and he responds and sometimes he doesn't. And so that inconsistency, well, you might get a reward when you reach out. You might not. That completely changes the psychology so you know, not to compare this to thing, but they did a similar, they did a comparable experiment, but this was on um, mice and certain types of behavior. But this was a good illustrator for the point. Um, okay, so they have like a cage with a mouse and they have like a little food dispenser where if, you, if the mouse presses on the button, a food pellet comes out. And every time they push on the lever, the pellet comes out. Okay, great. And so whenever they're hungry or they want a snack, they can they can get something. But then they changed it where sometimes it comes out and sometimes it doesn't. So this mouse kept pushing on the lever and it doesn't come out for a long time. And then they keep pushing on it. If they completely stop um, getting any reward ever and there's just simply never a pellet to be had, no matter how many times they press the lever, they give up on it and they stop trying because there's no point. They learn, right? Mm-hmm. But when but when it's an inconsistent thing of random, randomly, sometimes they will get a pellet, sometimes they will not. So they keep pushing on it and pushing on it and pushing on it until they get a pellet. And then um, they, they become completely obsessed. Like they, they, they forget everything else. They ignore everything else. They, they don't follow their usual thing. They literally become obsessed with it because they don't know whether they're going to get... Um, to eat to you know the little food pellet or they don't know if they won't and and they become completely hyper obsessed to, to the point of like m- mental illness borderline mm-hmm. it's um, like it's like little mice at, sitting at slot machines that's what i was right. thinking of too Lindsay. gambling for sure yep but if you never win if you never win you give up hope and you're like you know what this is pointless this is stupid this is a waste of money there's no reward but if you get a reward here and there just enough to keep you pulled in you can become obsessed with it because, you know, you can lose a lot of money, but here and there you're winning. Or sometimes you win more than you lose, and sometimes right. you lose more than you win. But 
you know, but it becomes, there's, there's always that hope. Um, and they did another, like this, and now I just remember this other horrible thing I read about recently where um, they, they put a mouse in this water thing and there's no way for like a tube, literally a tube, and it was water. And this mouse floated, um, stayed afloat for 15 minutes before going under and then they pulled it out. So, because the, after 15 minutes, the, the mouse realized, okay, there's no hope of staying afloat, there's no hope, and it just gave up. And then they, like this, I don't know who could do such a thing, it was a disgusting experiment, I, but, but, um, but then, then they let the mouse rest, and then they did, repeated the experiment with the same mouse. And this time, the mouse knew that there was hope, because once it gave up hope, it was rescued. So this time they didn't rescue it, and you know how long that mouse stayed afloat in the water? Something like some ridiculous amount, like 37 hours. Wow, that's a huge difference. Because it had hope. 15 minutes or um, or 37 hours. Because wow. it knew there's hope, because it knew that there is hope. It's not a completely lost cause. And so it's the same thing with the pellets and it's the same thing with inconsistent love. We're hoping, we're hoping, well, hey, sometimes it's something good. So maybe we can do something with that. And so he's never going to tell obsessive. me why he did it. He's just giving me hope. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so yeah, so it's inconsistent. Like, like oh, he ignored you. He ignored a serious text. Like, hey, so are you coming to LA and we're getting married and starting a life and building a life together? No response, no response on a call, no response on an email. And it's like, it, and it just becomes like this addictive behavior because there's hope, but there's, but you have to really work hard at it. And, you know, um, there, there's not much more there, but, but the hope. Okay. I mean, anyway. yeah, that makes sense because lately it's not been like, I think lately it's been more of like, well, why would he do that? Why would he spend all this time and money and then just not say anything? Um, money means nothing to some people. Like I, I was um sort of involved with somebody like that that once gave me hope and gave me hope and was never very clear. And I'm just sitting there like trying to figure out what's going on because I wasn't really used to dating or stable, healthy relationships. And I, I told him one day, I'm like, you know what? I want all your documentaries i want a copy of all your doc documentaries but i have no idea how do i do that because i don't know anything about technology i'm just used to somebody else doing the technology part and he bought me an ipod which was like this was 15 years ago and those were like 300 dollars back then mm -hmm. and i thought oh wow that's like that's not a joke that's like you know and he put all the documentaries i thought that too um, but like these presents weren't just like that's what girls like it was like it really felt like energetically he like looked really hard for the one thing that me specifically would like. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, he's he definitely cares about you or he definitely, you know, but to some extent, but to what extent really? Right. Is it caring about you or is it manip manipulating himself to meet a need that he doesn't understand? But just so you know, Lindsay, it can be both. It really can. People can care about you and still manipulate themselves and still make it impossible to be in a long-term relationship with them because they don't know how to come through their crap. 
right, we've been on for a bit. Um, I think we're, we're coming to the end. I want to go ahead and wrap this up with a thought for you, Lindsay. And okay. I, want, I want you to consider this strongly, too. Every time you have to make a choice in regards to Chris, I don't think you should be locked into your answer. I think you should feel into yourself and see what's true for you. And that's going to be what makes it easy to get through this. Because if you lock yourself into the idea that he's the man or he's not the man, each way creates a dilemma. But if in each moment you check in, do I want to do this? Is, is it for him or is it for me? What is it? How does it satisfy me? How does it change me? If you check in every single time, then I think you'll get through this without a problem. I okay. completely agree with that. Like, That's check in, like, like, when I'm like, why am I not good enough? Maybe, like, well, why, why do you want to change to be good enough for him? Yeah, right, right. Like, if you want to change something about yourself, well, why? What's motivating me? Where's my, where's my thought process here? You know, what's deeper than I know? And... And if you need a little support on that, I'm sure Monica and I both would love to support you through this. And um, the other thing is this is a recording. If you go back through the recording and you listen to it, that we talked a couple of different times about how do you ask yourself, you know, what's going on. Yeah. Okay. Um, wait, wait, how, how, like how I stop and ask myself how I feel about something or right so there's there's many ways to question yourself you know question your motivation question like am I doing this because I want to win you know question all of these different things that we've talked about and and how does it benefit me what safety does it give me what how does it challenge me to keep going in this moment so for instance if you feel like you want to contact him and and he hasn't contacted you, you know, what is that going to give me if I contact him? Oh, well, it's that mouse and the cheese. He might respond, he might not. You know, it's that that concept. It's it's ingrained in my brain to feel better if I'm disappointed. If I contact him and he doesn't respond, it proves to me that I was right. You know, all of these different things. So then you ask yourself, well, do I want to go through that experience or not? You know, at some point we decide we're done with an experience and at other times we say, oh yeah, I'm still up for this one. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, that makes sense. I think giving yourself the freedom in each choice will actually feel better than being trying to control whether you do or don't do something in each moment. Because if you decide, okay, I'm done with him, and then there's that pressure, oh, I want to see what he's doing. And it, then you feel like, oh, no, I can't because I'm done with him. Versus, oh, I wonder what he's up to. I'm going to go look at his Instagram. Okay. Well, and then don't allow yourself to prove anything to yourself by looking. You can just do what you're compelled to do. But if it starts to feel bad, if you start to feel like you're harming yourself, then you're getting, you got to slow down and ask, you know, what is it giving me to treat myself this way? I think a lot of the time is that I do like it's not because I'm genuinely curious it's because I'm trying to prove to myself that that feeling was right so yeah that makes a lot of sense exactly yeah I was really good at that about proving things to myself so I understand that one and it's stopping that behavior feels so good there's no more pressure there's no more angst and all of those bad feelings that would pop up that made me look they're actually gone too so I think you know you could move in a different direction 
okay. That, that seems like it would be best. <laughs> Okay, guys, well, I do have to run. If you want to continue talking, um, the two of you, that's fine, but I'm going to need to call it for the day. Well, Christine, that was amazing. You gave some great insights that I've never even considered. I'm like, oh. Oh, Thank you. Thank you. That was wonderful. Yes. Awesome, guys. I feel like I've gotten help. Thank you. Oh, good, good, because I know sometimes it's, it's a lot to get at one time, and I wasn't sure if you could feel supported through this process. But I do know that if you can go back through it and then, you know, break it down into pieces and just really think about it, I think you can to get to a, a really good place for sure. Yeah, definitely something I will do. Thank you. Awesome. Both. Thank you both. Have a great day. Bye, Christine. Bye. Bye.